Amen. Can you believe it? The last Sunday of the year. Unbelievable how quickly time goes. Before we get into the message this morning, and I want to thank all of you for being here today at 10 o'clock. It's amazing. I, I really, I was looking. I don't think anybody showed up at 9. I was wondering if somebody would, but I don't think they did. We're also so glad that you're joining us live stream today as well. A couple of things. One, this coming Friday, the last day of the year, the youth are having a youth New Year's Eve party here from 5.30 to midnight. Uh, they're going to have pizza, snacks, games, all kinds of fun things. But uh, the, one of the reasons I'm sharing that is not only to remind youth, but parents about that as well, and also really encourage the parents to be the one to pick the teens up at midnight so that they're not driving that late at night. So if you have any questions about that activity, please see my son Steve over here. He'll be glad to answer any questions you have. And then I want you to keep two dates in mind for next year, Sunday, January the 2nd, next week, next Sunday, the first Sunday of a new year. We want to call people back to church, and what a better way to start the new year than to be in God's house. There's no better way to end the year than being here today, and there's no better way to start the year than on January the 2nd. We'll be back in the book of Joshua looking at steps to victory, steps to living in victory. What a great way to start out the year looking at Joshua chapter 5. And then January the 5th, Wednesday, January the 5th, is our first then midweek service of the new year. And we would love to see even more people. We're having good turnouts on Wednesday, but we'd love to see even more people out on Wednesday night from 7 to 8 in the middle of the week. And there we're going through a study of the book of Genesis. And right now we're in the middle of looking at Abram's life, and it's just it's going to be great because we're going to go from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph and look at all the patriarchs and how their, their lives can apply to us and what we can learn from them to live our life before God as well. Now, as I said, too, when we began this series in Joshua, that God led me to do something I've never done in 37 years of ministry, and that is layer one series on top of another. So we're taking a couple of chapters in Joshua, and then we're looking at a psalm. And then we're going to take a couple chapters in Joshua, and we're looking at a psalm. So we went through the first two chapters of Joshua, and a couple weeks ago we looked at Psalm 90. And then we looked at Joshua chapter 3 and 4, and now today we're in Psalm 91. So if you'll turn there or find Psalm 91... Psalms 90 through 99, the psalms we're going to be looking at as they are sort of sprinkled throughout our study of Joshua, are very unique psalms to the book of Psalms. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 91, and I would entitle this psalm, Shadowed and Surrounded. Shadowed and Surrounded. You see, this psalm is all about combating fear in our lives. As I said even the other night at our Christmas Eve service, God came to deliver us from all things, including fear. Fear has gripped our world. Fear has gripped many Christians' lives. In fact, we are dishonest if we would not admit that there are times in our life where there are things that 
we're fearful of, that, that we struggle with fear over. That's being human. And God understands that. In fact, in this psalm, God is wanting to use this psalm so that believers like you and I can learn to trust God in the midst of real and intense danger. Now, let me repeat that. God wants us to learn to trust him in the midst of real and intense danger. God is not minimizing the world we live in and the dangers that are all around us. God is very clear about that. We're, we're going to see that. God doesn't minimize it all. God doesn't say we should try to deny that we're not living in a world like we are. I mean, ever since sin entered the world, there's going to be trouble and danger for us. Sin made everything different on the earth. Ever since Cain killed his own brother Abel, things have been different on the earth. See, God intends for every Christian to experience safety and security in an unsafe and insecure world. For if we do not learn to trust God and know that we are shadowed by him and surrounded by him and that ultimately our safety and security comes from him, then it's going to lead to many problems in our lives. And we see that today. We see a lot of people, Christian and non-Christian, suffering because of fear. Because fear can be triggered by certain things, like a pandemic. And yet, eventually, the fear that was triggered by something like that ends up taking on a life of its own. And then it just becomes entrenched into our life, and it doesn't have to be anything. It becomes simply a part of us. It is a groove, if you will, going back to that illustration of the old LP records that actually are coming back now. And where that needle cuts that groove, that groove can get pretty deep. That fear, that, that feeling of insecurity, that anxiousness, that worry, that dread, living that way about so many things. It can be triggered by one thing, but then it can just be all-consuming, and it can literally paralyze people's lives. In fact, even this past week, I was reminded of people that have literally shut down in the last couple of years. They literally don't go anywhere, interact with anybody. Their lives have just shrunk to pretty much nothing. And God doesn't intend for us to live that way. Fear does not come from God. There is no fear in love, John says, but perfect love, when we realize the perfect love that God has for us, perfect love casts out all fear. And therefore, God is saying to his people today, even in this psalm, look, I'm very well aware as God, even more than you are, because he sees everything and knows everything, that you live in a very unsafe world. There are dangers around you every day. And you could live in fear of something or someone every day, but then you're not living. So I want you to learn as my people how to settle your life in me and trust in me to a 
to a degree that no matter what your circumstances are, what your situation is, what's going on in the world, what's going on all around you, that you never live in fear, but you live by faith in me. Because I'm your security, I'm your stability, I'm your safety, you see. So this psalm divides very nicely into three sections. The first two verses are the psalmist testimony, and we don't know who the psalmist is. We don't know who the author of this is. Psalm 90 was Moses. Psalm 91, we don't know. So the first two verses are the psalmist's testimony. And here he's basically saying to all who are going to read the words of this psalm, I am safe in God's person. I have learned to be safe in God's person, and I want to share my own testimony with you about how safe and secure and stable and settled I feel in spite of the world that I live in. And let me share that with you, the psalmist says. Verse 1, as for you, the one who lives in the shelter of the sovereign one and resides in the protective shadow of the mighty king, I say this about the Lord, my shelter and my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. Notice that the psalmist, first of all, I want us to look at the four characterizations or titles that the psalmist gives to his God, and those are important because it's a it's a reminder to us that he is growing in his knowledge of his own God and knowing his God more and more actually gives him more security and more feelings of safety and more feelings of stability and confidence as he moves through the very dangerous world that he lives in. The first one is he calls God the sovereign one. That's he's the king of the universe. He is the ruler of the universe. He is in control. He's on his throne, and he will never abdicate that throne. Do we believe that as believers? Do we trust that he's in control? To me, if you even are settled on that, then a lot of what we get fearful about would begin to melt away and be released from our life when we know God is always the sovereign one in control. Second, he calls God the mighty king, the end of verse 1. It's the title that he is the almighty God. He has all power. There is nothing or no one in the universe more powerful than God. He holds all the power, all the strength, all the might of his created universe in his being, you see. The third title. Lord, verse 2, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, Jehovah. It is the covenant name for the God of Israel. And it is a reminder to us, as we just sang about, that our God is trustworthy, reliable, dependable. He keeps his promises to his people. He keeps his covenant. And finally, he, he describes him as God. The word Elohim in verse 2. That is the one and only true God. Now, in this God, notice what he says. First of all, he's my shelter, verse 1. He's my covering. He's my hiding place. 
And one of the things we're going to learn from this psalm is this. If you just read this psalm on its face, it would almost appear as if nothing bad will ever happen to any of God's people. But that's not what this psalm is saying. What it is saying is, first of all, we all have to come to the realization that even after you read this psalm and you believe in this psalm, that there's going to be something at some point in our life that comes into our life and takes all of us down the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. We all have, the, the only way you and I escape death is if we're in the generation of the rapture. And God takes us all home with him in the rapture. Otherwise, every last person here in this room and those of you who are watching live stream right now, we will all die. Something will come into our bodies and into our life that will take our life. But for us as Christians, it's simply taking us from our residence here to our home in glory with God. But something's going to come into our life at some point and take us. So this psalm is not saying we're indestructible. We're indestructible until God says he wants to take us home. But something's going to come into our life. And the other thing that this psalm is, is saying is that, look, generally speaking, all these things we're going to be talking about today in Psalm 91 are true. But there are times where God does allow something to come into our life, a sickness, an illness, a, a tragedy, some natural disaster touches our life or our family or our friends or whatever. Those things are going to happen in a sinful world, a world that is broken, a world that God eventually will redeem and make right. The Bible even says even the earth is groaning, which is why there's even going to be increased natural disasters and things like that that touch everyone. That's part of living in the world. That's part of that danger that we all live with every day. That's all part of it. But God says, even in that, I do not want you to live your life in fear. You won't be living if you live in fear. You've got to learn to trust me. So the first thing the psalmist says is, God's my shelter. Is God your shelter? Is he your hiding place? Is, is he the one that you know has got you covered at all times? Then notice, he says, he resides in the protective shadow or shade of the mighty king. Wow. All of us as the children of God literally live in the shadow of God every day. None of us are ever out of his sight, out of his care, out of his attention. He never takes his eyes off of us at any time. Then in verse 2, he says, I say this about the Lord, my shelter. See, my refuge would be another word you could use there. And then my stronghold or my fortress. So the psalmist is saying, here's my testimony. God's the sovereign one. He's the mighty king. He's the Lord. He is God. Therefore, he's my shelter. He's my shadow. He's my shelter or refuge. He's my stronghold. This is my testimony. This is why I can live in a very unsafe and insecure world and yet not feel unsafe and insecure. Because I've learned who my God is and who I can be in my God. And I can move about every day knowing that there's things around me every day that could hurt me, cause me pain, take my life, and all of that. But God doesn't want us to live at that shut down, paralyzed level. 
That's not living. That's not the abundant life that God came to give us through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and be living and be alive. And he said to have it more abundantly. And I think to myself today, the tragedy is there are so many even of God's people that they've stopped living because fear has crept into their life. Something has triggered that fear. That fear has sunk in. It has cut a deep groove, and they are continuing to let their lives shrink and shrink, and they're continuing to be more and more paralyzed, and and they're just losing so many days and weeks and months and years of precious time on this earth that they'll never be able to get back because of fear. So that's the psalmist's testimony. But then notice in verse 3, the psalmist's exhortation. If in the first two verses the psalmist is saying, I'm safe in God's person, then in verses 3 through verse 13, he's saying, you can be safe in God too. You can be safe in God too. Notice he says, he, God, will certainly rescue you from the snare of the hunter. He will deliver us. Again, God is saying, are there people out there that can hurt you who have, you know, whether it's a a bow or a gun or something else? Absolutely, God says. It could happen to you. But you've got to trust that I will rescue you and deliver you if it's not your time. And notice, and from the destructive plague, Verse 4, he will shelter or cover or protect you with his wings. God here is using the picture of this bird saying, look, I'll cover you with my wings. You will find safety or shelter or protection under the wings of God. He is faithful. His faithfulness is like a shield. His trustworthiness is like a shield. A shield that is like also a protective wall. And by the way, this word shield in the Hebrew speaks about a shield that covers your entire body. Not a small shield, a literally shield that covers you from top to bottom. A protective wall that surrounds you. Do you believe that about your God? Then notice verse 5. You need not fear the terrors of the night. Now notice something there. God says, there are things that could cause you terror. He's not, again, he's not denying that there's things that could be causing people terror. He actually says, there's terrors. But notice the first four words. He says, you need not fear. And that reminds us of a very important principle here. And that is that we choose God says you don't need to be afraid, even in spite of the terrors that are around you. You choose to be afraid because you haven't learned, as the psalmist says at the very end of verse 2, to truly put your trust in your God. By the way, that word trust at the end of verse 2 literally means to rest all of your weight on God. I've used the illustration, even I brought up a chair 
probably it's been a couple years ago now and put it here on the platform. And I said, literally, God wants us to learn in our life to rest all of our weight, not part of our weight, not trying to, you know, prop ourselves up a little bit and then lean a little bit into God. No, God says, I want you to learn like we have to when we learn to swim. One of the first things they do is take you into the pool and, and, and let you learn to float and trust that you can lay your body back and lay your head back and that you literally can float on the water. I mean, if you've ever been there, you know if you remember back to that, that was scary. Getting into the water and going, but I'm afraid I'm going to go under if I do that. And then you learn, but, but you can. You can literally lay back and rest your body weight and your head back, and the water will support you. But you and I have to get over that fear. And when we learn to rest all of our weight even into that water, we learn, wow, I can float. And God is saying, I want my people to learn to do that, to, to trust me so much because I'm the sovereign one, the mighty king. I'm your Lord. I'm your God. I'm your safety and security. Rest all of your weight on me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Trust in the Lord. In fact, out of the first two verses, that's probably the key point. The psalmist's testimony, my God in whom I trust. Oh, that we all could leave here today saying, that's the way I'm going to end 2021 and that's the way I'm going to go into 2022. I'm going to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to rest all my weight on you and I'm, not, I'm going to stop letting all these things that I'm hearing and seeing and all the, the reactions of others and everything, I'm going to stop letting that affect me mentally and emotionally. I'm resting all my weight on you. And probably the biggest takeaway of the second section for me was verse 5. We choose fear because God says you need not fear. If, I, if you were an underliner of your Bible, I'd underline those four words or mark them somehow. <laughs> because every time fear creeps into our life, it's because we choose to be afraid, not because we have to as Christians. Because God says, I'm enough for you. If you trust me, you won't have to be afraid of anyone or anything. Notice he says, you need not fear the terrors of the night or the arrows that fly by day. The plague that comes in the darkness or the disease that comes at noon. This is pretty timely and relevant, isn't it? Though a thousand may fall beside you and a multitude on your right side, it will not reach or overtake you. It will not get the best of you, or at least it shouldn't as God's people. Again, that doesn't mean that we won't be affected by it or even get it. But God is saying, don't live in fear of it or of anything. If I've allowed it to come in, I have a plan and purpose for it. You can trust me. I'm your God. I will cover you with my wings and I will see you through it. And if it's your time to come home, that's just what I chose to bring you home with. You've got to trust me and not be afraid. Verse 8, certainly you will see it with your very own eyes. You will see the wicked paid back. 
because that's what God will do. But you have taken refuge, shelter in the Lord. By the way, that word refuge means a place of hope. God says, am I your hope? Am I your confident expectation? Have you truly placed yourself in me to the point where I'm your safety and security? And even in the midst of an unsafe and insecure world, you're experiencing stability and safety and security, and you're not trying to find it in, in your, the situation changing or the circumstance changing. You're finding it in me always, no matter what is coming into the world or into your life. Notice he calls him in the end of verse 9, my shelter, the sovereign one, my dwelling place, my home, my habitation. Notice verse 10, no harm will overtake you. Be allowed without purpose. If God does allow something to come in, his loving hand has been part of it. We saw that with the book of Job. No illness will come near your home or be intended for evil in your home. Again, if God allows some illness to come into your home, he has a greater plan and purpose for it. Then notice verse 11, and I want to stop here for just a moment because this is an important verse that we need to talk about for a moment. He will order his angels to protect you in all you do. This is maybe where some people have gotten the guardian angel thing. But it doesn't really say that each of us has a guardian angel. It just simply means that when God wants to, he can dispatch his angels to protect us in ways that we don't even know because sometimes we're protected by God from things that we don't even know we were protected from. In fact, I believe that one of the glories when we get to heaven is God is going to unfold for us our life in a way where we can see how many things he protected us from that we didn't even know about. The word protect means to keep, to preserve, to hedge about, or to cover. Now, the reason why we need to stop here for a moment is if you know your Bible, you know that the devil used this verse. In fact, it's the only biblical verse that the devil is said to have quoted in the Bible. And if you remember where and when he quotes it, he quotes it in his temptation of Jesus. He's tempting Jesus, and he basically says to Jesus, Jesus, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple because I know the Bible says God will send his angels and won't let anything happen to you. And what was Jesus' response? Do not tempt the Lord your God. So what's that teach us? That teaches us that all these principles are true in this psalm, but they are not a license to live recklessly or to live irresponsibly. See, we're still supposed to do our part in not making stupid choices in our life that could cause us harm. We're supposed to do our own part and not put ourselves in conscious, intentional danger and then expect God to somehow come in and rescue us. Jesus said, that's tempting the Lord your God. And so that's not how this verse was supposed to be applied. But I do want you to see this. God did dispatch his angels to help and strengthen Jesus, if you know the story in the Bible. 
And where and when did God the Father dispense his angels to strengthen and help Jesus? It was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggling. And so when were the angels sent? Because this applies to us. They were sent by God to prepare Jesus for the cross, not to keep him from the cross. That's where you and I sometimes, we think that, oh, God, you, you, didn't, you didn't do me right because you didn't keep that bad thing from happening to me or touching me. And God, many times, his, if you will, covering of us is not his covering of us to prevent something from happening, but covering us to strengthen us and prepare us for what is about to happen. But you and I have to be living in alignment and fellowship and communion with God to be able to have that strength and also to have that kind of perspective. Otherwise, we can get like a lot of Christians. Why didn't God keep that from me? Well, why didn't God keep his own son from the cross? Because that was the plan and will and purpose of God, because God has greater plans and greater purposes that you and I could never wrap our minds around or comprehend, because God works on an eternal scale with everyone and everything in his universe in mind when he does it and when he chooses to do it or not to do it. So yes, God was faithful to this. God did send angels to strengthen and help his own son in his humanity, but he did it to prepare Jesus for the cross, not to keep him from it, not to keep him from his suffering. Listen, the greatness of our faith, our Christian faith that's unlike any other faith or religion in the world, the greatness of our Christian faith is that it's not a supernatural remedy to prevent us from suffering. Our Christian faith gives us a supernatural use for our suffering and pain. That's what makes our faith so great. Not that God keeps bad things from happening to his people, but knowing that God has a supernatural use and an eternal purpose for it. That's what makes our faith great. There is no other religion or faith that even answers those kind of questions. They have no answer for it. They're looking always for the remedy out of it or to deny that it even exists. And God is saying to his people, I know you live in a crazy world. I know you live in a chaotic world. I know you live in an insecure, unsafe world. And you could drive yourselves crazy every day if you try to think about every last contingency that could happen to you. You would be living in fear every moment of your lives. Your lives would be reduced to nothing. You would be paralyzed. You would not be filled with joy. You would not be filled with peace. Trust me and start living your lives I think about that even with me I'll share a personal testimony every day I drive from Gold Canyon to Gilbert every day in the last couple months I pass a horrific car accident every day somewhere along the path I'm passing something on my way here or on my way home I'm seeing a car accident. I, I could say to myself, well, I don't want to risk dying in a car accident, so I'm just going to stay home. And I'm not going to leave my house because there's the chance that I could be one of those people that dies in a car accident. Because we do. We have people die here every day on the highways. You stop driving, 
because there's that chance that something might happen? I mean, I thought to myself, yeah, I, I should say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to shut everything down, and I'll, I'll teach you all from my home because I don't want to leave. You all just get to see me on a screen but not live because I'm scared to get in my car and drive here because something could happen to me. No. It's not how God wants us to live. It could happen. But God wants our safety and security to be in him. Well, let's finish this out. Notice verse 12. They will lift you up or bear you up, literally carrying, their, carrying you in their hands so you will not slip and fall on a stone or be impeded. You will subdue or overcome a lion and a snake. You will be victorious over or trample underfoot a young lion and a serpent. In fact, this is the verse that Jesus gave as marching orders to his disciples when he sent them out. He said, you can be an overcomer. You can have victory over everything that stands in your way. Because that's the kind of life that God wants his people to live. So then we come to the last part of the psalm, God's promises to his people. And notice, the Lord now is speaking as if he's not been speaking all along. And God says, because he is devoted to me, I will deliver him. Literally, I will be his security. I will protect him because he is loyal to me. I will set him securely on high, is what the word protect means. And I couldn't help but think of Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are set safely on high. When he calls out to me, or she calls out to me, I will answer him. I will pay attention and respond. I will be with him, his constant or her constant companion, when they're in trouble. See, again, it's not that God says you'll never be in trouble, but I'll be there covering you and with you when you're in that trouble. I will rescue you, deliver you, strengthen you, equip you for battle, and bring you honor. Because that's what the word rescue means. It not only means to deliver, it means to strengthen and equip someone for battle. I will satisfy or fulfill him with long life, don't miss that. God can choose at times to add days to our life if he wants to. I think to myself, fear and stress and worry shortens your life. When we learn to trust God and live with God, sometimes God says, you know, I'm going to add a few years to your life. And I will let him see my salvation or my victories, God says. Now, this is always true of God with his people. The problem is that many times we're not living close enough to God to live in consciousness or confidence in all these things that God has promised. Because the key to this passage, like there's been sort of key verses or phrases to the other parts of this psalm, is right up in verse 14. I want you to go back and look at that word devoted. That's a key word. The word devoted here in the Hebrew describes a passion for God, a consuming passion for God. Let me ask you a soul-searching question today. Are you living right now with a passion for God? 
And one of the great prayers that we could all as God's people pray is, God, give the Oasis Church a consuming passion for you as we end this year and move into 2022. We want to be a people that are known for our passion for God, for our devotion for God. Because when we live in that kind of a, of a relationship and fellowship and communion with God, then the promises of God truly become real. And we live in consciousness and confidence of those promises that God gives to his people in verses 14 through 16, every moment of our life. And we learn then that God becomes my safety and security. He becomes who I'm settled in and who I'm stable in. And even though I'm going to live my life because I cannot escape this world until I die or until the rapture comes, I know I'm going to be living in an unsafe, insecure world. How can I navigate that world with, with any sense of fearlessness if I don't learn to rest all my weight on my God? and put my trust totally in him, and choose, choose not to be afraid. Because fear for a believer is a choice. If you're here this morning, if you're watching this this morning, and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and there is fear in you right now, I want to encourage you, God can deliver you from that fear. Because fear does not come from God. God says, my people need to learn to live by faith, and fear will melt away. We either choose faith or we choose fear, but we don't have to be afraid. We choose it, and God can give us the power to let fear go and grab a hold of him like never before, have a passion for him like never before, and let fear go. Listen, folks. The world is not going to get any safer or more secure. So we have a choice. We can either choose to allow the world and the way the world responds to things and even other Christians to respond to things and other churches, and we can let that influence us and we can live the rest of our lives in fear and be paralyzed and not really live or we can choose the message of Psalm 91, that in spite of the fact that I live in an unsafe, insecure world, I will put all my weight and trust in my God, the sovereign one, the mighty king, the Lord, the only true God. And I don't need to be afraid of the terrors, of the plagues, of the diseases, of the arrows that fly by. I choose to be afraid. God, give us an all-consuming passion for you. Enable us, God, to release our fear and let it go and trust in you. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, I pray today that we would stand up and step up and be a fearless people, God. That we learn, God, to trust in you like we've never trusted in you before. It's not that there aren't things in life or on earth that we couldn't or shouldn't be afraid of. There are. 
There always will be. There always has been. Ever since man was created and sin came in, there's always been danger. There's always been disease. There's always been natural disasters. There's been all kinds of things that could cause people to live their lives in fear. But you, God, have always said, don't be afraid. Look to me. Trust in me. Rest all of your weight on me. So, God, I'm praying over all of us here today that even before we sing this final song of worship to you, that, God, we say, first of all, God, give us an all-consuming passion for you. Help us to be devoted to you above everyone and everything else. God, enable us not to choose fear, but to choose faith today, God. And then, God, help us to trust in you like never before, to rest all of our weight on you. So that, Lord, we know that our safety, our security, our stability, it comes from you, God, and not from anything or anyone else. And so no matter what's going on around us, Lord, we feel safe because we're under your protective wings. God, help us to keep our eyes on you like never before. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.